0: Services tonight in a special way. Lord, reach down from heaven's glory and Lord show us the things you would have us to see. We pray this in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5 starts out with the story of Ananias and Sapphira. They lied to God. Of course, they lied to Peter, but they lied to God and dropped dead. And um, then we get into the story. After them, we got into the story of the Sadducees, the sect of the Sadducees, and we know they didn't believe in the resurrection. And we looked at those things, and uh, they threw Peter into the prison, and then the angel of the Lord came and opened up the doors and let him out. And now we're down around verse 29, and Peter is having this problem with the... Uh, With the Sadducees, and this is what he said, what happens in verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom he slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are His witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey Him. Now, some of this is controversial. It says those that obey Him get the Holy Ghost. A lot of people want to look at that and go, see, it works, but it's not. You're told to obey the gospel. We'll get to look at that here a little bit later. You obey the gospel, wow, by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, but you've got to obey the gospel. In order to get the Holy Ghost, you've got to obey the gospel, and thus you're obeying the Holy Ghost. So it's not really that difficult. He is Peter speaking to the nation of Israel, no doubt about it. But that doesn't mean that the relevance is lacking to the church today. In fact, quite the opposite. Uh, I firmly believe that in Luke chapter 24, the Bible says He opened their understanding. They understand the Scriptures. They understood the death, burial, and resurrection. And then you get into Acts chapter 2. It's the empowerment of the church. It's not that uh, they don't understand why. Of course they understood after Luke chapter 24. After He said, after I'm resurrected, you will understand. John 2.22 and, and many other places. So we have to understand you can't go to the Bible and say, well, Peter's preaching a different message than the Apostle Paul. Uh, He is speaking to the nation of Israel. By that fact alone, it will be somewhat different than Paul speaking to the churches that are in existence because at this time, they're still just trying to get out of Jerusalem. And then the persecution comes and and everybody but the Apostles starts spreading the word all over the world. But you have to understand some of that basic stuff in order to understand your Bible. Peter is preaching. The title of my message is Preacher's Shortest Message. Now, I'm not saying it will be tonight. Probably will be. It's not going to be that long. I mean, we're only going to cover, what, five verses. But the sermon is only four verses long. You read it there in verse 29, 30, 31, and 32. Four verses long, and Peter preaches more truth than most people here in a lifetime. I had somebody come up the other day and uh, they said, Man, I, you, you're preaching. He said, I, you, you preached on you know, Sunday morning, whatever it was, and you gave more in that message than I heard a whole year in the church that I went to for many years. Listen, I take that in stride because I get it. Most churches don't spend their time teaching and preaching the Bible. We have to. Why else are we here? Yeah, we do prayer requests. Yeah, we get together. Yes, we, uh, we have a music group come in and sing that great song. We, well, they don't really come in, but we heard them sing that song uh, piped in. You know, it, Listen, we get together for the fellowship too. I get that. But you're here to get something from God to change you for tomorrow and Friday and Saturday and Sunday and so on. This is supposed to be your midweek picker-upper. Like a good cup of coffee in the morning. I'm not saying I'm that good that I can equal coffee. I know, because I'm starting to really like it. I'm drinking three cups. I was, up, I was at two. Now I do three. But I enjoy, I enjoy all that stuff I put in it. You know, all the creamer. Judy drinks it black. I, I, I tried. I did. I did. I, I wanted to be a man. I did. I lasted... Three days. I could not handle black coffee. I can't handle unsweetened tea. I can't. I, I just don't get it. I, I, I don't. What is the purpose in drinking that stuff if it doesn't taste good? Anyway, I digress. Verse 29, Peter and the other apostles answered them because they told him, Look, we told you not to preach in this man's name, Jesus' name. Remember that? They. Um, They said, you you intend to bring His blood upon us. We looked at that in the last service. Yes, they asked for that. Of course, Jesus forgave them because Jesus prayed and He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So they're forgiven for that statement. However, now they say, you intend to bring this man's blood upon us? No, you did it yourself. You're guilty and I'm guilty of things and we want to blame everybody else. Don't blame anybody else for your sin. Don't blame anybody else. Look at the thing and say, I am a sinner, I'm wrong, God's right, and nothing else matters. So they said, what do we do? Do we obey man or do we obey God? We ought to obey God rather than man. Let's run a couple of references on that. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Now, I'm going to preach on a little bit of government understanding uh, because the Bible has a lot to say about it. 1 Timothy chapter 2. We are all guilty of failing in this area. Here it is, verse 1. I exhort therefore that first of all... So what's the order here? First of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men... First of all, we ought to pray. What's the problem? We don't pray first. What we do is we, we talk to other people. We yap. We, we're, 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 we're not, first of all, doing what this verse says. But verse 2 is very important too. For kings and for all those that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Only time that's in there to lead a life of honesty is in that verse right there. So what should you be doing? You should be praying for the president. Yes. I told a joke on the president the other day, and I've told it several times since. Uh, the guy that told it to me, I said it wrong. And li- listen, I had, I, had a, I had a colonel from Virginia that was sick, and he was watching online. He he texted me when I was standing back there. He said, how the church like your... Uh, how, how do they handle your joke? I said. Other than one, <laughs> other than one, they loved it. And uh, and I said, cause, you know, because it was it, it was just one of those. I, I didn't know. I prayed about it. Turned right, red. Said the joke, and uh, he said, "Man, I can't wait till my wife gets home from church so I can tell her." <laughs> anyway, so I, I I walked in. I walked in uh, a meeting this morning. I pulled out my phone. I said, "Hey, do you realize Biden's in the hospital?" And they went. For what? I and mean, it was perfect. It was perfect. I won't retell the punchline. Look at Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. Got some of you remembering the joke. Titus chapter 3, look at verse 1. Now, you have to remember this is, this is a, a chapter division, which I believe in, but it's referring back to the previous chapter. Put them the ones in chapter 2, in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. So it says to obey magistrates. That means you've got to do everything the law says. Wait a minute, we ought to obey God rather than man. When there's a conflict, what do you do? You obey God. And I'm getting ready to take you to the passage of all passages that people butcher on government, Romans thirteen. Turn over there. Romans chapter thirteen is one of the most butchered verses because people. It's like it's like uh, judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. In other words, don't judge if you're a hypocrite. Otherwise, judge all things. Hold that which is true. Do you know you're supposed to judge everything? Everything. And we're being taught not to do that. You know what would happen if we... Now listen, don't judge by the outward appearance. Don't just look at somebody and say, hey, I'm going to judge them because they don't look like me, they don't talk like me, they don't walk like me. Don't do that. Romans 13. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Boom, there you go. So you got to obey government. You better obey government unless they contradict God. That's it. If they contradict God, you're to obey God. Be subject to the higher powers. Now watch, for there is no power but of God, the powers that be are ordained of God. Now, first, you know, you have to understand, sometimes powers usurped. You've seen it. You can't say that everybody in government is there by the will of God. Do you think God's will was for Germany to turn to uh, Nazism and and, and put Adolf Hitler in there? No! No! Stalin? Putin? No. It is not the will of God for that type of government because it defines the government later on. You can't look at it and say, Oh, well, uh, the person in the White House put there by God. Well, the only way he was is if it's the judgment of America. is possibility. But you can't just say, because of this verse, that everybody in office that's killing babies... Was Pelosi put in there in order to make sure that we have enough abortions to fill up uh, trash cans everywhere? No! So, read the context. Verse 2. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive themselves damnation. Oh my goodness, i got to do what the government says. You just saw an instance where they're not doing what the leadership says. They, don't preach in this name. You let us out of here, we're going to go preach in that name. Wait a minute, you can't do that. No, we're going to keep reading and get the context. Verse 3, for rulers are not a terror to good works. Wait a minute, they're not? Well, how come they are? Because the rulers that God puts in place are not a terror to good works. They support good works. They don't don't thwart good works. They're not a terror to good works, but to the evil. That's not true about some governments. Therefore, God is not in all government. If they come and they say, you have no second amendment, what do you do? I'd rather obey God. I have the right for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and, and I love to go up and shoot my guns at the range. So that's the pursuit of happiness. You're breaking the law. I mean, I'm, I'm joking and, and minimizing it, but you know what I mean. You can say a lot of other things along that line. I just gave you the pursuit of, uh, uh, of happiness is one thing. They're not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? If it's of God, I would be if you broke it. Do that which is good. Now watch. Here's the stipulation. And thou shalt have praise the same. Well, the government that God institutes will praise you for doing that which is good. What happens when the government stops praising you for doing the right thing? They are not ordained of God. So there's a different, a different stipulation there. Now, let me state this. I am not one of those that's going to go to jail because I don't want to... I say, well, the government can't give me a driver's license. I don't recognize the judicial system. I'm this, I'm that, I'm I'm a patriot. Listen, I'm not going to jail for that. I watch guys do that. It is insane. Do you know what my job is? I do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual weakness in high places. My fight is not down here. But you know what happens a lot of times with those guys? Their fight is here. I, I don't agree with... And listen, you better agree with everything that they, they state in some of those organizations. Or you're not, you're not strong enough. You're not a patriot. You don't agree with the Second Amendment or the First Amendment or whatever amendment they want to mention. No, that's not true. So what type of government did God ordain? One that will reward you for doing good. Look at verse... For again, but if thou, if thou do that which is evil, I think about what's going on in Washington, they're doing that which is evil, be afraid for he, that is the government, beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Do you know what government's for? Government is to execute as the minister of God uh, the wrath for those that do evil. That's why why we always agreed with the death penalty. Let me tell you the problem. When your government is not a God-ordained government, you can't just agree with the death penalty. Why? Why? What happens? Sometimes they they say, well, he's guilty. We know he's guilty, and we're going to fabricate the truth in order to make sure he gets gets charged. It happens. You have a lawyer that doesn't do his job. You have a prosecutor that doesn't turn over uh, all of the evidence that he has that shows there's somebody else that may have really done it. And you've got all that going on. So what you have... Government system that I believe ours was as close to what God ordained in its infancy and beyond than anything that's been here since other than the nation of Israel in in their realm. But yet, look at where we are. Our government, in general, is not a minister of God to thee for good. Do I think that we ought to rebel? No, I don't. But I believe you draw the line somewhere. And you say, listen, we're not going to just obey because you tell us to obey. We're going to obey God first. And that is what's so very important. But notice what government's for. It's to be the minister of God. How do you do that? Well, I believe in separation of church and state. So you believe that Christians ought not be involved in the government. That is what got us into the situation that we're in right now. You say, well, I... Now, look at it. He's the minister. How can somebody be the minister of God if it's all lost people in there? Think. I'm just trying to teach. That's all I want you to get. I want you to get what the Bible says. Verse 5 Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake, for for this cause pay ye tribute also. "...for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing." What are they? God's ministers. What happens whenever they don't punish the evil and reward the good? They are not God's ministers. What are they supposed to be? What is government supposed to be? The government that that you're supposed to be subject under the higher powers, they're supposed to be the minister of God to thee for good. If they're not, they cease to be a scriptural government." Do not think in your mind that just because somebody got elected or got in office that that was the will of God. Verse 7, Render therefore uh, to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Get that, that before we leave here. He, is the bear, he beareth not the sword in vain. That's what government is for. Man cannot take care of himself and therefore government is instituted in order to have a society. It wasn't that way in the very beginning with Adam and Eve. Human government didn't come in until about uh, Genesis chapter 12. And again, we won't go into all that history. I just want you to see there's a good government and a bad government and don't ever let anybody cop out on you and go, well, we just got what, uh, you know, what God willed. Well, God's not willing that any should perish, so is the will of God always done? No. Therefore, don't think that just because something happens in Washington or Tallahassee or in Niceville, that somehow that's of God, because that's not necessarily true. Verse 30. Let me see if I can do that. Yes, verse 30. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom He slew and hanged on a tree. In Galatians 3.13, it says all those that are hanged, are, are, are it's a curse to be hung. It's a curse. Look at, um, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 4, he says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. When you're looking at this thing, he says, we ought to obey God rather than men. He talks about the death, burial, and resurrection there. And then he says, we cast down those imaginations, anything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, and we bring into captivity every one of our thoughts to the obedience of Christ. We need to obey Christ. It does not matter what happens in this life. My responsibility is to obey God. Do I always? I'm a sinner just like you. Do I want to? I'm a saint, just not the one that doesn't ever sin. Because there's no such thing. We're all saints. I want to do what this Bible says. I want to bring every thought, every imagination into the obedience of Christ. I want to obey God rather than man. And that's what I need to do. That's what you need to do. You don't need to look around and go... Which way is the wind blowing? That's the way a lot of people do it. Oh, what's the most expedient thing to do? That's not the way we need to be thinking. How we need to be thinking is, what saith the Scripture? What's God want? What's He want me to do? Where does He want me to go? How does He want me to think? And you just look at all that, down, and then you say, it's God, it's God, it's God. It's not me, it's not you, it's not them. It's God. Verse 31, well, let me me hone in on 30 again for a moment. He says, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus. Now, these Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. That's almost why he turned this thing around. Instead, he said, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Well, he's, he's honing in on that crucifixion and that resurrection. And he's preaching the death, burial, and resurrection. I know people that say Peter did not preach the death, burial, and resurrection. All you've got to do is read your Bible. All you've got to do is go in there and say, well, well, what are they trusting in? The death, burial, and resurrection. And the ascension. Because that's there too. Verse 31. Him hath God exalted. Who? Jesus with his right hand to be a prince. And we won't run to Daniel chapter 9, verse 25 and in there, where it talks about the prince uh, and the prophecy and the 70 weeks of Daniel and the 70th week yet to come, which is the the tribulation and the rapture that happens before that. Seven years on earth where Israel is now the focal point of God. We won't go into all that in Daniel 9. I'm just going to tell you that and then we're going to move on. He says the right hand to be a prince and a savior so who's their savior Peter Jesus it's Jesus Jesus is the savior Jesus is the savior in Acts chapter 5 how does a person get saved through Jesus it's not through Acts two thirty eight. repent and be baptized for the remission you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost that's baptism regeneration and heresy How does a person get saved? Acts 4. There's no other name given among men whereby ye must be saved. When you get saved, what do you get? The Savior you got the Savior. Here He is. He's the prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Why is He saying Israel there? Because that's the focus of who He's talking about. The Sadducees put Him in jail. The Sadducees locked Him up. The Sadducees are standing in front of Him. So He's he's focusing His message on the people that are in front of Him. If He had a bunch of Gentiles there instead, what would He have said? Maybe. But He wasn't the apostle to to the uncircumcision. He was the apostle to the circumcision. With what? With a Savior's message. That He died, that He was buried, that He rose again, that He ascended to the Father. He sits on the right hand. He's the Prince. That's His message right here. You can't miss it, but people do. And it's a mess when they do. He preached the death, burial, and resurrection. He preached the Savior in the context of... Him dying on that cross, Him being resurrected. That is so important. He's offering a Savior. He's not offering a kingdom. He's not offering to, 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 that the king's going to come drive out the Gentiles. That's what the nation of Israel was looking for. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, we're just going to look at one verse, verse 22. Who, speaking of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ in verse 21, who is gone into heaven, so where's Jesus? He is in heaven and is on the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto Him. Those, everything is subject unto Jesus. He is God the Son, God manifest in the flesh when He came down here. That's what the Bible says over and over again. Everything is subject unto the Son. All judgment is subject unto the Son. All power, all authority. Why? Because that's God's hierarchy. God the Father gave it to God the Son. What did He do? He said, he t- the Son says, I'm going to send you the Comforter. Why would the Son send the Comforter? Because he has, all com- he has all authority to do that. It all works that way. And when you start to figure it out, you start putting together. Everything makes sense. Verse 32. He says, And we are His witnesses of these things. That doesn't mean again that all they did was saw it. What is Peter doing? He is witnessing. Remember, there's two types of witness. Witness is something that sees. Somebody sees it. Oh, they're a witness. Somebody that speaks the truth. He's a witness. Witness. We are His witnesses, those that are speaking that truth. The message He just preached, He's witnessing the thing. And and it's important to make that distinction. And we are His witnesses of these things, and so also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey Him. That obey Him. If you go to Joshua chapter 5, it talks about them not obeying the truth. Um, Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. We're going to run about five references here on this obeying. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Verse 14. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. If they don't obey our word by this epistle, note that man. Again, obedience is all I want to look at. Look in your Bibles at Romans chapter 10. There are people that say, well, it says you've got to obey God in the gospel, in, in, in the book of Acts for salvation. You do. You've got to obey the gospel. Not obey as in faith plus works. There is faith plus works anywhere in the Bible. For salvation. Romans chapter 10. Look at what it says there. Romans 10. We'll just look at one verse. Verse 16. The Bible says, But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. What do you think that is? obeying the gospel. What's the gospel? Christ died for your sins, He was buried, He rose again. Trust in Him. It says, in whom ye also trust after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after you believed, you're sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. The Bible says you obey that gospel. How do you do that? You stop trusting in anything else. If you trust in baptism to save you, repent. Trust in your good works. Repent. You trust in anything, a man, whether he be a preacher, a priest, a pope, obey the gospel. Repent from trusting in anything else and obey the gospel. Look at Romans chapter 6, <clears throat> Romans 6, verse uh, 17. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. So, what's he talking about? He's talking about salvation. You obeyed from the heart. How do you obey? You can make a child obey without heart. You know what the gospel takes? Obeying with a heart. That's what it takes for salvation. You You can force a child to do your will. But that's dangerous. Because when you're not there, they have not been taught to obey God from the heart. The gospel is to obey God from the heart. You obeyed the gospel from the heart. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Look at, um, and we can go anywhere, uh, 8. We're jumping in the middle of what's going on. This is the second coming in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God. People that know not God are not saved. And they and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting instruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. So you see that? They obeyed not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and they died and went to hell. Obeying the gospel is not a work. I mean, obeying God is not a work, let alone obeying the gospel. He said, The Holy Ghost is given unto them that obey Him. How do you obey Him? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, trust in Him with your heart. That's how you obey God before salvation. Has nothing to do with being, you know, you can't, you don't. You don't turn over a new leaf or you don't, you don't try to work your way into heaven. It's all about grace. He saves you because you're undeserving. If you ever get to the point where you, oh, I'm deserving, I, I, that's why he's, he's going to save me. Never happen. You got to repent. Now, he preached all this truth. Like if Peter was here right now, we'd be be like excited, saying, Amen, glory, hallelujah, great message, preacher. You did it. You nailed it. You hit a home run. Man, we'd be right behind Peter. What do you think is going to happen? I didn't read this verse. Look at verse 33. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. Hebrews 4.12 talks about the Word of God being sharpening than two-edged sword, piercing and dividing, a son of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning of thoughts and intents of in the heart. It pricked their heart. And instead of turning to God, they turned away. Instead of accepting that Savior that's being offered to them, they instead turned away from that. By the way, that's what salvation is. Salvation is coming face to face with your sin and making a determination Will I accept or will I reject the Savior? And that's your choice. That's everybody's choice. Accept or reject. That's all there is. Let's go ahead and stand together. Lord, we do thank You for Your many blessings. We thank You for salvation so simple that even a child can understand and be saved. Lord, we pray that You would help us to walk through this week, walk into it, understanding the things that You would have us to understand, knowing the things You'd have us to know, and doing the things that You would have us to do. I pray, Lord. You would bless us, guide us, lead us, and direct us. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. With your head bowed and eyes closed, the music plays.